Taiwan's National Wild Bird Federation has been booted from the international coalition BirdLife International after it refused to sign a politically loaded document. The Taipei-based Chinese Wild Bird Federation was asked to sign an acknowledgement that Taiwan was non-sovereign and non-independent. When it refused, it was removed as a partner of the global conservative group. Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs says it has asked its representative office to lodge a protest in the UK, where BirdLife International is headquartered. This is 1999. More than 20 years ago, BirdLife International held a conference in Taiwan. Representatives from the association were greeted by then-President Li Denghui. A photo of the encounter still hangs in the office of Taiwan's Wild Bird Federation, which has recently lost its partnership with BirdLife International. They don't have any members from China. If Chinese bird conservation groups try to join, Taiwan could become a politically sensitive issue. So we change our group's English name. But this year and in 2019, they asked us to change our Chinese name, saying our Chinese name posed a risk to their operations. But we gradually came to realize over several rounds of talks that the problem was not really our name. The problem they really wanted to solve was they were hoping we would leave on our own. Although BirdLife International did not spell out the demand, the Taiwan group said the meaning was clear. They wanted us to sign a document on the politically sensitive issue of Taiwan. The document said we would acknowledge that Taiwan is a non-sovereign and non-independent state. We are the national non-government organization for Taiwan. We couldn't sign a political document like that. Then they said that for this reason, we would not be able to absolve them of the risk. So this is one of the excuses they gave for kicking us out. Taiwan's Bird Association was asked to change its English name many times before. The association was founded in 1988 as the Wild Bird Society of the Republic of China. After joining the partnership with BirdLife, the name was changed on request to Chinese Wild Bird Federation. In 2001, the name changed again to Wild Bird Federation Taiwan. Starting in 2005, BirdLife International began pressuring the group to stop using the words Republic of China in its Chinese name and Taiwan in its English name. So the group once again became Chinese Wild Bird Federation in English. It also agreed to go by a shortened version of its Chinese name. But the pressure continued, culminating in BirdLife asking the Taiwan group to sign a political statement. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs will ask the representative office in the UK, because BirdLife International is headquartered in Cambridge, to lodge a stern protest. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs protested the issue. Internet users have also flooded BirdLife International's Facebook page with complaints, accusing it of working for Beijing. Taiwan's bird group says it's contacted bird associations from other countries for support. It stressed that the exclusion would not end its conservation work. Political parties from political figures from the KMT and the new party set off for the Chinese city of Xiamen on Wednesday to take part in the China Organized Straits Forum. The KMT says the deputy head of its China affairs, Chen Yaoxing, will be participating, but only in a personal capacity and not on behalf of the KMT. With regard to Mr. Chen Yaoxin's participation in this edition of the Straits Forum, we don't consider it to be particularly special. Of course, we must still stress that the KMT is not sending a delegation or individuals to attend. This time round, KMT members will be joining the event in a personal capacity. 
Also attending the event will be former Hualien Mayor Wei Mu-chun, who says he'll be representing the Labour Party, though he's not a registered member. Meanwhile, Peng Mengling, an assistant to Taichung KMT Councillor Ran Lingxuan, will also be joining as a representative of the Labour Party. In total, 30 people from Taiwan will be attending, despite controversy surrounding the event. Starting September 24th, medical-grade masks made for the rationing system must be stamped with the words Made in Taiwan and MD, which stands for the medical device. This anti-counterfeit policy was originally to come into effect on Thursday. Officials have delayed the rollout by a week to give manufacturers more time to adjust. In related news, international travelers can now bring up to 250 face masks of any variety into the country without a permit. The policy came into effect on Wednesday. Travelers no longer need to declare their medical or non-medical grade masks if they have no more than 250. 50 pieces. Taiwan shares climbed 1.02% to reach a historic high of 12,976 points on Wednesday. The rally was led by TSMC, which saw its American depository receipts soar overnight. The stock's ADR had gained more than 6% after Apple unveiled a new 5-nanometer A14 processor that TSMC is believed to be supplying. On Taiwan's market, TSMC opened sharply higher to hit an intraday high of 462 NT before closing up nearly 3% at 458 NT. Due to the rise of the stay-at-home economy, demand for computer graphics cards has been growing. Taiwan's graphic card makers like Asus and Gigabyte Technology have seen sales climb since spring of this year. Growth is expected to continue into the fourth quarter. They're fully engrossed in the game on the screen. A good game needs a good graphics card, and the demand for those is through the roof. Since the second quarter, global demand for graphics cards has outstripped supply, benefiting Taiwan manufacturers. Since the second quarter, graphics card sales have been excellent. It had nothing to do with new product launches. The main factor was the pandemic, which spurred demand for remote communication and stay-at-home products. Since the second quarter, consumer demand has been quite good. Graphics cards have sold very well since Q2. One retail vendor says sales have been steadily rising, often exceeding 10 mid- to high-end cards a day. In addition, the vendor's customer base has expanded beyond esports players and graphic designers. Even amateurs have been willing to pay for advanced hardware. With graphics cards, basically some are used for games. Those can render higher resolutions. In comparison, lower-end graphics cards can't support such high resolutions, so the game can feel laggy. Our main customer base is people involved in graphic design, who specialize in making graphics. Some other people might want to buy a graphics card for the novelty. Some other are techies. Q2 is typically the low season for graphics cards, but that's not the case this year. Global demand has been strong since spring, and with next-generation GPUs coming from NVIDIA, traders have flocked to Taiwan graphics card makers including ASUS, Gigabyte Technology and MicroStar International. A three-week exhibition opened in Taipei on Wednesday showcasing Taiwan's small towns. 70 photos are on display representing Taiwan's most unique small communities. The event was organized by the Tourism Bureau and a downtown department store to promote domestic travel. Taiwan 
Taiwan is Treasure Island, using this campaign focused on small towns, we're hoping to market Taiwan to the world. Taiwan is good for long stays or for more in-depth touring. I feel that this can drive local economies and create jobs. The photos feature mountain towns, Hakka towns, and other small towns that exemplify Taiwan's diverse culture. There are several towns certified by the Italy-based Sita Slow International for offering a slower pace of life. Later this year, the Tourism Bureau will unveil Small Town Ramble 3.0, a campaign that promotes visits to 100 towns. Pangolins are a scaly-skinned mammal that's been hunted to the brink of extinction worldwide. Taiwan, through years of immense effort, has become a haven for the Chinese pangolin. Our reporter Stephanie Yang swings by Taipei Zoo to meet one of the world's most famous pangolins, plus two that are bound for the city of Prague. This is Chongwu, Taipei Zoo's best-known pangolin. Born in 2014, she had to be fed by hand at the zoo. She's the first pangolin in the world to be born in captivity and to later have a baby of her own. At the moment, Taipei Zoo has 14 pangolins in its care. Eight were bred in the zoo. Six are pangolins rescued from the wild. Currently, we have uh, uh, 14 individuals of Chinese pangolin in our care. Um, but uh, usually, we will through the wildlife rescue program, we will receive uh, more than 20 individuals from the wild. And uh, usually, uh, almost like 50% of them, after the treatment or the healthy care, can uh, reach the recovery. So they can, this individual can be released back into the wild, uh, hopefully near their uh, original spot that discovered by the other uh, colleague. Perfect time to see as part of an animal exchange agreement, two of Taipei Zoo's pangolins will be leaving for the Prague Zoo in the Czech Republic. The two zoos have worked together before, such as on a conservation project for the endangered Prawalski's horse. Uh, so we work together on different uh, projects of endangered species already. So the, the only difference is, is now they seem also have willingness to participate in the uh, Chinese pangolin uh, conservation project. One of the pangolins bound for Prague is Cough Drop, or Jin Ho Tang, who was bred at Taipei Zoo. At nearly three years old, she just reached the age of sexual maturity. The other is Guo Bao, a healthy male born on April 9th of this year. They will be heading to Prague Zoo's state-of-the-art Indonesian jungle. They do have a, a unique uh, facility they call Indonesian jungle. The reason for that is uh, Prague Zoo already uh, spent huge effort trying to save some endangered species even in Southeast Asian region. So they have to build this uh, building to provide the uh, uh, adjustable uh, air temperature or the humid. So this uh, indoor facility is good, exactly good for not just Chinese pangolin, but they, they have quite successful breeding even on Komodo dragons. Paving the way for the pangolins is a big undertaking. For Taipei, a mountain of paperwork is required to ship them, as Chinese pangolins are critically endangered. For Prague, prep work is already underway to secure a steady food supply. Wild pangolins eat termites and ants, but Taipei Zoo's pangolins feast on a special diet that includes honeybee pupa and breadworms to provide chitin. You have to plan in advance, like uh, in, in Prague, probably it will be very hard to get the honey honey uh, bee uh, pupa during the winter time. 
So you, they, they probably have to fight the storage first. Then that can guarantee that the Chinese pangolin will not getting star- starvation during the winter time. Since Prague's climate is very different from Taipei's, Prague Zoo plans to build a cave to give the pangolins a cozy home. Even the uh, Indonesian jungle seems good to Chinese pangolin, but still uh, the Chinese pangolin need extra design. For example, the, usually like our conservation corridor, we have an artificial cave, and the cave provides a special heating facility to keep to make sure that at least inside that area, you will definitely have the uh, appropriate uh, air temperature to keep the Chinese pangolin healthy. According to spokesman Eric Tao, Prague Zoo has hired an architect ahead of the pangolin's arrival. Prague will send a blueprint of its pangolin holding area to Taipei Zoo, which will approve or give suggestions before construction begins. For Most News, Stephanie Yang, Zhang Tingshang in Taipei. Mid-autumn festival is right around the corner, and that means egg yolk pastries are once more in high demand. One bakery in Taipei is hard at work on the seasonal treat. The recipe uses clarified butter from Denmark to get the perfect flaky pastry crust. But inside, the pairing of the egg yolk with azuki bean paste set off by Gao Liang, Kaohsiung Gao Liang, is a super traditional Taiwanese favorite. A perfect sphere, a tempting golden case. The flaky pastry is heavenly to bite through, and inside there's sweet bean paste and a salted egg yolk, a killer combination. Kumamoto low-gluten flour is mixed with clarified butter for that melt-in-the-mouth texture and buttery taste. Clarified butter gives the egg yolk pastry, or really any pastry product, a very flaky texture. In the production process, the water content of the butter is boiled away. The dough is carefully pressed out, and the floppy pastry formed into balls, one by one, all by hand. Then they're rolled out to give them that many-layered flaky texture, and bean paste and eggs go inside. Many chefs are hard at work. Even the eggs are carefully selected. My favorite time is the 22nd to 30th days of each month, because the eggs are saltier and more flavorsome by the end of the month. They get two dowsings of Gaolian liquor, mainly to deepen the flavor. Finally, the pastries are brushed with two layers of egg yolk for that golden color, sprinkled with sesame seeds and popped into the oven. An irresistible aroma wafts out, and thousands of pastries fly off the shelf every day. A Tainan theater that hosts transgender cabaret performers from Thailand has reopened after a dry spell. The seven performers usually rely on tour groups to fund their theater, but with the coronavirus hitting tourism, Things looked grim for business. The theater's owners even opened a grocery stall to ease their losses over the tough period. Now, although profits are still low, they've decided that the show must go on. Exciting music, fabulous costumes and sexy moves. The Fongma Theater dancers from Thailand love the limelight. The theater is in the old Wushulin Sugar Factory in Tainan's Hobi Township. Shows have been run by theater owner Jan Reixing for almost 10 years, and business relies on vacation tour groups. But due to the coronavirus, visitor numbers fell and the business was in peril. With no shows on the schedule, the performers seemed to have no choice but to return to Thailand. But they begged Jan to find a way to let the show go on. So he and his wife opened a grocery store. 
We just got on with it and kept putting one foot in front of the other. When the performances stopped, the two of us decided to sell vegetables if we could and managed to cover our losses a bit so they could have a stage and a little income. The couple runs the vegetable for 10 hours a day, all while continuing the hostel business and paying for guests' meals. Tourism has recently started to pick up again and they decided the theatre could reopen for the Seven Fairies' shows. He works so hard, he has to sell produce and find audiences to come to our performances. Thanks, boss. I'm so happy. When the audience claps and encourages us, we feel so happy. On average, it costs an extra 10,000 NT for one person for one month. There's also their meals to pay for. The theater is running at a loss right now, with profits just 10% of the normal range. The vegetable store will stay open, but at least the performers can once more enjoy their time on stage.